This year, we're, uh, you know, we've crossed the, let's call it about $20 million. Going into 2020, we now have a bunch of really interesting channels and and partnerships. Um, You know, it'll be somewhere between 20 and 30. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We've got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Stephen Euster. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called FundThrough. Before FundThrough, he was an investment banker in New York, first at UBS, and then as a founding employee of Centerview Partners. Stephen has an MBA from the Wharton School and a Bachelor of Commerce with Honors from McGill University. All right, Stephen, you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right, so your cool factor goes up, uh, at least for my audience, when you leave you know, big fintech and you start your own company. So you're already ahead of the ball here. Tell us what FundThrough does and how you guys make money. For sure. So we are reimagining uh, invoicing so that small businesses can get paid instantly, essentially bridging that gap for companies that invoice their customers. And then those customers take 60, 90, sometimes 120 days for them to pay them. Yep. Okay. So let's role play here for a second. There's a lot of people competing in this space and really yep. it's just a function of your cost of capital, what you're raising your debt at and what you're lending it at. And there's a spread. So let's say a SaaS company is listening right now and they have $100,000 in committed annual contract value. Uh, that is not that's paid quarterly, and they want to get that money, you know, three months ahead of time on each quarter payment. What could you offer them on a hundred thousand dollar ACV? Yeah. So uh, typically, by the way, we 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 do work with SaaS companies, uh, but our our core users are um, either tech companies or non tech companies that just invoice for products or services to large, typically larger customers, and then wait uh, to get paid. But on that hundred thousand dollars, what's large, by the way? Sorry, Stephen. What's large? Well, so we have folks on our platform who have you know, $100,000 per year example. We have folks on our platform who have actually $10 million uh, outstanding. That wouldn't be one invoice. That would be you know, a lot of different invoices. On the low end, we actually have folks on our platform who have $500. And these are just micro businesses who are selling typically to smaller businesses. Uh, but our sweet spot tends to be in the 100000 to a million. Okay, someone that so someone that's listening right now, if they are sending out invoices, could be one or a thousand that add up to between a hundred thousand and a million. They're potential great fit for fun through. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So tell us more. How's it work? Yeah. So uh, all you would do is connect a couple of your data sources, connect your invoicing platform. Let's say you use QuickBooks Online. Uh, all of your invoices would show up on our uh, our platform. You click the one that you uh, you want to fund. Uh, we would verify that that invoice uh, is 
uh, accurate in that you've completed the work that you said that you were going to be doing or delivered the product that you said you were going to, and then the money will be in your account uh, usually that same day uh, once you're on board. Okay. So again, let's be specific here. Let's say someone's listening, they have a contract that's a $10,000 contract. They sent the invoice to the customer and the customer has 60 days to pay. They don't want to wait 60 days. What will you give them today on that $10,000 invoice? Yeah. So on that $10,000 invoice, we might advance them, you know, uh, 9,900 or something. Um, and then, uh, so there, there would be a hundred dollar fee. Um, it may be, it may range somewhere between, you know, 9,000 and 9,900 out of that 10,000. So how do you come up with that? Right? So the effective cost of the capital advance is whatever the Delta is between the 10 K and what you advance. That's so right. what that's, is that that's typically? Right. Yeah, so it's typically somewhere in the range of one to two percent a month, or one and a half to two percent a month. Uh, so the way we like to think about it is, it is cheaper than giving a discount to your customer to getting paid early. Um, you know, and when you go and you talk to small business owners and ask them if they ever given a discount to their customers, you'll get things in the range of, oh yeah, for sure, I've given a two percent discount or I've given a ten percent discount, and nobody ever does sort of the APR on what that is. It's really on the the margin. Yeah. Uh, and what we're trying to say is never do that. It's always better to use an invoice funding platform such as FundThrough. And obviously, we want them to use FundThrough. Well, I want to jump into that because you have a lot of people competing in this space, some from your backyard, right? So you have ClearBank that is doing a lot of this interesting thing. You've got Espresso, which was essentially shred financing. They're not getting more aggressive with RBFs and term loans even. Uh, yeah. SaaS Capital, Lighter Cap. There's so many people playing in this space. And then you have the pure play kind of, you know, advanced, you know, ARR advanced kind of solutions like, or at least for SaaS, which it sounds like what you're doing, invoice advances. So if we did try and back in, the way to compare all these folks is to try and back into a true APR, right? So if I'm going to pay you, you're going to advance 9900 on a $10,000 contract. So it's $100. That's what it costs me to save that two months, right? Multiply obviously at a year, that's $600 on 10K. You can back into essentially a 6% effective APR. Am I doing that math correctly? Yeah, that that math is correct. The other thing that I would uh, I, I would say that is is different is what's interesting is there are a lot of players in the capital space, and a lot of them uh, you've just you've just mentioned. They all actually do really different things, uh, and it is our job and you know the industry's job to actually demonstrate to small business owners in which case you would want to use one versus versus another. The interesting thing about fun through is. Uh, relative to say a loan, uh, which was what the other ones that you were talking about are all uh, are all loans, uh, is that when you take a loan, you get the money up front and you spend the money and that's great. But now the money's gone and you hopefully have used it to generate revenue or you know more cash. Uh, but at some point, you've got to find a way to repay the loan. Yeah, that's different than what we do. Uh, all we're doing is advancing your payment. So we are waiting so that you don't have to. But you know that ultimately your payment is going to come because you've delivered the goods or the service. So you know your invoice is going to get paid and all you want to do is get paid faster. It wouldn't make sense if the check is in the mail kind of uh, and you have an opportunity to buy more inventory or you know want to make payroll to take out a longer term you know, loan um, with some of the folks that you may be referring to if all you need is to bridge that short term gap. So, so when did you leave the bank and launch this company? So I moved back from New York to Toronto in 2009, and I never intended on starting this company. Um, I went out there with the, the goal of actually going out and buying and operating uh, a company. And that was Centerview a buyout firm? Were, they, were you doing kind of growth majority buyouts there? 
No, Centerview was an M&A boutique investment bank. So it competed oh, okay. with Goldman Sachs and UBS and others. Uh, but all they did was M&A. They didn't have a financing arm. They didn't have a capital markets arm to it at that time. So when I moved back, the goal was to actually go out and, and buy a business. But when I spoke to all these uh, small business owners, they would say things like, yeah, I'm interested in you telling me how much my, my business might be worth if you want to acquire it, but take into account that my customers are taking longer and longer to pay me. A bank won't lend to me because it was after the crisis and I might be asset light or too small or just don't fit their credit profile. And I've got this gap, but I've got a stack of purchase orders that I, if only I had the capital, I would be able to fill. And I've got a stack of invoices uh, that are just taking longer and longer to pay. So I took a bit of a detour and I had never heard the term factoring. I'm embarrassed to say uh, today, um, you know, having a, an undergraduate degree in finance, having been working on Wall Street, having an MBA in finance, I had never heard the term factoring. But what I realized was that when you sell to high quality customers, you're creating an asset and you should be able to use that asset and no other asset as a way of being able to get the capital that you need. So and what I, year was your first advance? 2014, June 2014, we made our first advance. So, I mean, what the hell were you doing for between 2009 and 2014? That's five years well, of so sailing it's an in the Caribbean? Or? <laughs> uh, so, between 2009 and 2014, so the first thing I did is I spent several months trying to figure out uh, how to buy a business. Then I realized that, wait a minute, <laughs> uh, this thing called factoring, the best way for me to learn about factoring uh, because to me, it was it sounded like the best way for you to fund yourself, you know, off of the creditworthiness of who you sell to, not off of who you are, get unlimited access to capital simply by doing what you do best, which is sell. Sounded great. But the next question I asked was, why doesn't everybody do this? Why doesn't everybody know about it? So, you know, I'm a curious guy and I figured the best way to figure it out is to just jump right in. So, so you I did, did it. I jumped right in and I created a factoring company. Interesting. Uh, and so that was, now, did you raise equity right off the bat to do these no. or you was your own money? That was my own money, and I, I got some friends and family to, to use money to uh, lend out. So uh, what did you pay your friends and family back? Because you didn't have to manage the spread. So what did you, your first kind of, kind of debt financing, what, what, what was your cost? At the time, the debt, well, with no track record and, uh, uh, and no history, uh, I was paying 15%. Okay. Uh, and for, for at some point, it was 15%. And for others, it was just a um, sort of a, a profit share. It was debt, but it was a profit share of what I made uh, by advancing that. Yeah, uh, so just to be clear, you essentially maybe were like the sole GP in a little fund. And you basically said, I won't give yeah, you a 15% hurdle. What I'll do is I'll just split. Just trust that I'm going to make a, a good spread here. And we'll do an 80-20 model. That's right. Now, the way you say it, it sounds so sophisticated and it sounds amazing. I didn't think of it that way. Uh, well, it's hindsight, like the, you know, hindsight's 20, yeah, 20. Exactly. Well, the reason I'm positioning uh, it that way I, in the context of this interview is because I want to now pull this forward, right? So what did you grow your loan tape to in 2014? How many kind of total advances did you do GMV-wise? Well, so, that, so 2014 is when we launched Fund Through. So prior to that, uh, it was not Fund Through. It was just, you know, on my own book. When okay. we launched Fund Through, uh, the, the very first advance that we made was a $300,000 advance to a guy who was selling uh, to Walmart and had never sold anything before. Uh, so he, he invented this tool. It was a really cool uh, tool. He won best in show at his you know, conference and Walmart gave him an opening order. And we said, okay, you know, we're going to take a risk because it's Walmart. We're going we're gonna to fund it. The only thing I can promise you is we're going to charge you too much money. It's going to be really cumbersome. Um, but I promise that you'll have founder level attention and you yep. will solve it and be creative. And he's like, okay. He was an early adopter. He's like, okay, let's go for it. I think we charged him the equivalent of like 36% annualized. Yep. We didn't really know. And you know, we were trying to figure out 
what it is. Uh, and we advanced- 3%, 3% a month, yeah, yeah. 3% a month, yeah. Uh, and we advanced the, the $300,000 and then didn't sleep for about 30 days waiting for it to come back. The first, the the first payment, yeah. Was, was, it, was it, was it a, a month-long term or was it a two-month term? Or? Uh, that was about a 30-day term, but of course, Walmart never actually pays on 30 days, so it yeah. ended up taking about 45 days. Okay. Uh, so that's the good story of your first loan, but sum it all up for me. 2014, you know, 300K, it sounds like it was a minimum. How much, how many total, you add it all together, how much total advances did you do? Yeah, that year, oh, now you're getting me thinking. Uh, that year, we probably did um, a couple million bucks, for sure less than $5 million. Okay, less than, so call um, between maybe two and five million, something like that. Okay, and then fast forward to last year. What'd you do yeah. last year? Yeah, so now we're, last year in 2018, we were doing about $15 million a month. Okay. Uh, in, in advances. And what, do you, what will you break this year, you think? And this year, we're, uh, you know, we've crossed the, let's call it about $20 million. Yeah. Going into 2020, we now have a bunch of, really interesting channels and, and partnerships, um, you know, it'll be somewhere between 20 and 30. Yep. So just to be clear, in 2018, if you average, call, I don't know if this was an average, that's what I'm going to ask. 15 million a month yeah, would be about 180 million total recycled, you know, that year. Is that right? That's right. And then you'll break 240 this year, 240 million. That's right. Folks, as you know, 2020 continues to deliver surprise after surprise after surprise. We're not sure where we're living. We're not sure where we're going back to work. Everything's sort of up in the air, which means getting things done digitally is what's most important. In fact, we're very excited. We're launching a new podcast based off our dealer bust format, and I needed a quick way to get some designs done for the logo. So I used Fiverr. And the reason I use Fiverr is because it's not worth it for me to pay a full-time designer three or 4,000 bucks a month to join our GitLab a team full time. So I use Fiverr to knock this sort of stuff out quickly. We also, as you know, do a lot of data, data processing and podcast editing, which Fiverr enables me to do very quickly. I put in the task and I can find talent that can do what I'm looking for instantly. I customize by search, deadline, price, seller reviews are probably the ones I use the most and a lot of other factors. There's just no guessing games and it's very, very quick. I encourage you guys to check out fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order today by using my code TOP. T-O-P. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R dot com code top. Again, that's Fiverr.com code top. So the, the nature of these things is you essentially can go raise debt capital and lock the, your creditor's capital up for whatever, four years, but you're able to recycle this and money velocity is critical. So help me understand how you have funded the business, both on the equity and debt side. How much equity have you raised for the company? So all in, we've raised about $15 million uh, in equity, um, you know, going from angel seed rounds or seed extension to a seared A. Uh, and so and that's been primarily through um, local Canadian VC firms, and high net worth individuals, um, sort of angels call it. On the loan side, we started with high net worth individuals, not dissimilar to the story that I told you about how I started the, uh, the other business, just asking around you know, who, was, who was interested. We did it in the form of debentures uh, where we would um, you know, have a variable rate of return based on the rate of return that uh, we were able to generate with you know, the, the invoices. So there was not a hurdle. It was more like they share not on the hurdle. upside. 
yeah, it was not a, there was not a, a minimum. Uh, it was just what it is, what it was, but uh, we knew what our minimum pricing was going to be, but we didn't know at that point what losses or anything was going to be. Well, so go back to the first tranche of equity though, right? So you took 2.2 Canadian from real ventures in 2015. What story yeah. were you telling them to figure out what the valuation was going to be? Was it literally, here's the loan tape, here's the performance, you know, yeah. I, I de-risk this, it works. Well, so it was a bit of a, a hope and a dream in a PowerPoint presentation with a little bit of traction. Okay. <laughs> so the first, the first advance was June 2014. We raised uh, that 2.2 in February of 2015. So we had about six months uh, to show that uh, there were some users who actually liked it. And what we were able to show was uh, that when users came on board, they were really sticky. They used us often. They were big invoices. The LTV seemed to be, it was still early, but seemed to be quite high. What we had no idea about was how to actually get a lot more users. Yep. So just based on that, uh, we were able to say, okay, there's a huge market here. You know, it's sort of motherhood and apple pie that uh, you know, small businesses invoice and have to get paid. Everybody understands that gap, but are we able to actually bring in enough users to be able to make it worthwhile. And so you did that, that first two and a half million dollar round or about two and a half million with about between two and five million of loan tape history, right? Plus yeah. a PowerPoint. Help me understand. Yeah. You don't have to give an exact number here if you're not comfortable, but it was a while ago. What was the valuation you got on that first round? Yeah. On that first round, uh, the post money valuation was about $8 million. Okay. So six, six ish pre 5.8 pre. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And then, so fast forward, right? So the key to building a great business like this is, is to build a track record and then drive down your cost of capital. And then you can choose to either keep that extra spread for yourself and drive profit for yourself. Or if you want to open your top of funnel, make your cost of capital cheaper to these e-commerce brands or these brands that do the invoicing. So what have you done? You start out at 15% with friends and family money. You then did yeah. a $20 million debt financing, I believe in 2016. Who was that with? That was with a, a family office in, uh, um, in Toronto, a, a Canadian-based family office. And were you able to drive them to a deal that basically you were paying them way less than 15%? I wouldn't say we were paying them way less. You know, at that point, we were paying about 11%. Okay. Uh, and now we're, we finally got it into single digits. And, you know, we have to keep, as you say, keep driving it down. Yeah. So as we build our track record up, we'll continue yeah. to drive them. Yeah, yeah. The last one, and correct me if this is wrong, but based on my research, June uh, 18, 2018, you raised $25 million and other more debt from, from, uh, from Intercap. Uh, you, yes. That's the one that you drove down to the single digits? That's the one. Sorry, that's the one that was 11%. Uh, okay, the, Intercap. The, yeah. Okay, Intercap was 11%. And sorry, what was the one in 2016? Was that also 11%? The, the one in 2016 was variable, was this. Uh, oh. So the, the, the rates that they ended up getting were... Um, somewhere between sort of 12 and 14%, but it was variable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. So you moved to like a fixed hurdle model with the latest from intercap. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. How, and, and, and loan tape. So up to in the decks that you worked with when you were negotiating with intercap, how much history were you able to point to at that point? I mean, had you done more than 15 million in total kind of recycled money? Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, we were just, uh, getting close to a hundred million. Um, okay. Okay. Wow. Well. So, That's interesting. Okay. That I mean, it's impressive. You 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 shave four hundred points off from fifteen percent down to eleven. But you, I would guess with that kind of history, like you, you, why can't you go get back leverage from like an SVB or a or a or Bank of Toronto at like prime plus one or two? 
Yeah. So that's the the next step. Now, what's important to note in this business is uh, cost of capital being whack and cost of debt. The beauty of a model that we have right now is that we have a hundred percent advance rate. So our cost of debt is actually our total cost of capital. If we went to a a bank, wait, wait, I don't understand that. Give me a real number. Like, tell a story worth real numbers. So for every dollar that we advance, we borrow a dollar. As oh, opposed okay. to for every dollar we advance, we borrow uh, 80 cents and we have to put 20 cents of equity. You have no equity backstop, basically. You have no equity backstop yeah. at this point. Um, so it makes it, uh, it, it makes it sort of capital efficient for us to be able to go out to market. So the, the math that we have to do is when we go to you know, a bank or uh, um, you know, a financial institution and we can get it at LIBOR plus or prime plus or, or whatever, uh, what is the advance rate and what the total cost? Uh, um, you know, when you account for the fact that you have to have some equity or sub debt, right? What's possible is that. So, you might do you have feel like to get like LIBOR plus one or two, you'd have to put up ten percent equity into each? We have to put some amount of equity. Now, equity or equity like, we might be able to rent that equity by bringing on um, some lo- additional loan capital at a higher rate, and the blended rate comes out. Lower. Well, so let me ask you: You did your Series A of, of nine million in t- June twenty eighteen from scale up. You did it looks like that exact same day. The intercap kind of debt model. I mean, can't that nine million in equity raised actually equal purchasing power in the form of debt of like ninety million if you're putting up ten percent equity? Well, so what we uh, what we ended up doing at that point is using our equity for one hundred percent of the advances to the extent that we uh, we had it. So you know, we're capturing the uh, the, the, the full margin. Yep. Uh, now there, there is some point. If if I were to do that, though, I wouldn't be able to use that equity for operations, for marketing spend, for technology spend. Is that significant? Uh, What's it cost you to actually run the business each month? Total expenses. Oh, um, well, we're growing quite quickly, so mm-hmm. we're adding. You know, growing in terms of of top line, but also in terms of um, net costs. Uh, so we are still burning uh, money. You know, we're we're in the we're in the stage where we would be a very nice profitable company if we chose to, but then on the side, we've got this technology spend, this product spend and additional yeah. marketing. Spend that, I mean, so you uh, start like net burn, you're talking like 200, 300 grand a month, something like that. A couple, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. And then total expenses as well, like 800, 900,000 bucks a month. Uh, probably a little bit more than that. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Most of that's headcount. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What well, is headcount today? How many folks? 55. 55 all in Toronto. Nope, we've got folks in Atlanta, folks in Denver, New York, Texas, Alberta. Wow, how many engineers? Uh, we've got about 15 engineers. And how many quota-carrying sales reps? Uh, so we have, our, our sales model is an inbound sales model, not an outbound sales model. Uh, so they are commission-based, not necessarily quota-based. Uh, we've got three on the inbound sales, two on the customer success. It's really important uh, to help on, you know, the existing users because they use us so often. Um, and then we've got a manager that, uh, that oversees them. And that and area so, has been growing. So what do you assume your total like CAC is to, to get a, you know, a, a first, a new customer in the door, the first advance to them? Well, what I would say is, uh, we've got some channels where we actually have what we would call zero CAC because we've got, um, partnerships where we have sort of rev share models and we love yeah. that. And we've got others with like, you know, pay-per-click and digital and, and you know, radio and other stuff uh, where there, there would be CAC as, as you're describing. Uh, what we say is our, our ratio of LTV to CAC yep. um, has been quite strong, uh, you know, somewhere in the range of seven to nine. Seven to uh, nine. Now, what do you assume lifetime, lifetime value is, is though? Because that's a big question. Pardon me? What do you assume lifetime value is though? Because that's a big question. 
Yeah. Uh, well, look, I'll, I'll talk about it in, in terms of ratio, not in terms of the, uh, the number. What I would say is the lifetime value is actually quite high. Uh, it's, it's much higher. So we can afford to spend that 7 to 9x LTV to, uh, to CAC. And we are. We're, our short-term CAC will go up as we experiment with some new channels um, and some you know, new potential partnerships. And you know, that'll, uh, that'll impact the ratio. But the LTV seems to be pretty constant. Last no, we're young. We're early still, so we're yeah, still yeah. trying to figure it out. You can improve right. that. Yeah, yeah. Last couple of questions here. So 2019, you'll break 240 million bucks this, this year in terms of advances done across how many companies? Uh, low thousands. So, low thousands, okay. Yeah. Yeah, low like, single. Like two, like two, two three? Yeah, two, two to four thousand. Okay, two to four K. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, very good. And then um, any plans to raise capital? I mean, you, you raised over a year ago. It means you're raising capital probably right now or you're selling to Cabbage. Which one is it? <laughs> so we're not selling to cabbage <laughs> uh one day we'll buy cabbage oh uh, really i like that they're at like six they're like seven billion in loan tape they got some work to do that's right no that's that's a, that's right it won't maybe a year or two <laughs> okay fair enough we'll talk in about a year or two so are you yeah, raising, we'll raising our next round of uh of equity capital probably in the first half of 2020 what's the right number like 18 20 million uh well we're, we're thinking it's hard to tell actually i mean we're, we're doing some what if scenarios actually right now uh about what we would do with the capital and it could be anywhere from 18 to 50 you know depending yeah. on where we see that use of capital and the dilution that is associated with it and are you getting multiple like when you go out and have the valuation conversation obviously because dilution is important let's say you go raise 20 million bucks can you argue that you are truly a SaaS company and get a 5 to 20x on top line ar in terms of your valuation yeah, it seems to be what uh, uh, what the market is is saying, and you know, it's how we operate. We are not a you know, we are a fintech player, but we are not a lender. Um, we yep. are a cash flow tool, and our our users are, although not um, you know recurring, they are very sticky and repeating, and investors tend to see that. Yeah, that's great. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. So my favorite business book is an old book called Pour Your Heart Into It by Howard Schultz and it describes the, how he started Starbucks. I love number, it. number two, Stephen, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, well, it's probably the same as everybody. I, I love Elon Musk. I love his ambition and I love the way he operates. And number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your company? Slack. Couldn't live without it. And number four, how many hours of sleep eat every night? Oh, I sleep well. I'd say seven hours a, seven okay, hours a night. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married with three kids. Oh, wow. Four You're, if you count fun through. Ooh, you are busy. Okay, and, and uh, how old are you? I'm 41. 41 years old. Okay, last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Wow. Uh, travel more because uh, when you get three kids, it's harder and harder. See the world and experience it. <laughs> Guys, fund through. They advance against your invoices. 2014 made their first advance. His cost to capital was 15%. He'd lend out obviously above that. Did about between two and five million bucks of loan tape in 2014. 2015 raised 2.2 million bucks in equity capital on a $5.8 million pre-money valuation. So call it six, seven, eight-ish post money. 2016 uh, got his cost of capital down from 15 to 12 to 14% variable basis on a $20 million line. And now he's driven it's cost of capital down to call it 11% with intercap in 2018, which is great. That means he can ideally uh, pass the savings on to customers and give entrepreneurs cheaper loans at scale. This year, 2019, they'll pass over $240 million in essentially new invoices advanced. That's up from $180 million last year. Um, this is across 2,000 to 4,000 uh, founders building companies, hoping in 2020 to potentially raise another round of equity and probably debt as well. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, Stephen, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.